Hey, this is Brian with the Mid-City Vineyard Weekly Teaching Podcast. And we have some uh, fantastic news that we wanted to share with you. Uh, For the last three years, we have been meeting and worshiping together on Saturday nights. But beginning on Sunday, March the 10th, we have a new meeting gathering space. And we will be worshiping on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., at 3222 Canal Street, just a couple of blocks from where we have been meeting for the last three years. So we would love to have you join us if Sunday mornings work better for you. Uh, It'll be a fantastic fit for us, we believe, super excited. And so come on out 10 a.m. March the 10th will be our first Sunday morning gathering. And when we start on that Sunday morning, we'll be kicking off a Lent series, our Lent series for this year entitled Sanctuary, or 40 Days of Sanctuary. Uh, as we move through learning how to embrace uh, different parts of our lives as we continue to be formed and transformed into Christ-likeness. This past weekend at Mid-City Vineyard, we actually took uh, the week to discuss who we are as a community of faith. It was also our three-year birthday, and so we entitled this one, The Church of the Beautiful Letdowns, and this is really ultimately about who we uh, believe that God has called us to be as a community of faith, in the community, for the community, here in Mid-City, New Orleans. Hey, if you want to learn a little bit more about us, check us out online, midcityvineyard.org, Instagram, at midcityvineyard, and of course on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church. And we're going to head on over to the podcast now. Much peace to you. First, Our first public gathering was February the 27th. 2016. And that particular night, uh, we were worshiping in their sanctuary, and it was a grand opening kind of a thing. Hey, Mid-City Vineyard is a new church in town, and it's kicking off, and you know, people are like, oh, there's something new, woo! And so uh, people like flocked to it, you know, and so we had 80 people there that night, um, which Christy and I knew, well, you know, I've been, I grew up around church planting my whole life, so we knew pretty much what to expect. We knew that we'd have 80 people the first week, and then the next week uh, we'd have about 50, and then the third week we'd have about 20, and so we knew, we knew where we'd land. But I was looking back over what we talked about that particular evening, and I was really moved with, uh, with how we, we poured our, our, how we looked into things that particular night, and I was moved by the fact that we still believe the exact same stuff. And I got to tell you, that's a big deal uh, uh, for, for, uh, for people who are regularly being encouraged and moved by the Holy Spirit and challenged. Um, oftentimes, what I believe and how I understand God is, is often it's, it's growing, it's morphing, it's changing. But one thing that hasn't changed with Mid-City Vineyard yet is why we exist. And that's what we talked about that particular night. And so I want to talk about it again tonight as we, as we close uh, this chapter here. And we're going to move to Sunday mornings. And it's going to be filled with uh, some anxiety and some excitement. It's going to be filled with uh, lots of answers and lots of new questions. I mean, there's so much coming at us. But why do we do what we do? Why do we keep uh, gathering together? Why do we keep pressing in? Because as you can see, you know, after three years, our our, our our numbers have gone up and they've gone down and we've gone up and they've gone down. And, and I understand personally what that is about. But I know that for, for a lot of you even, sometimes you've asked me, what's going on? Like, why, why is this person not with us anymore? How did we find this person? Or these? And I just I want to talk about it a little bit tonight because I think it refreshes our hearts and our souls as we 
as we continue to move forward. I, um, I entitle this, The Church of Beautiful Letdowns. And I have decided that in the event that we one day change our name for any reason, I think I want us to be the first church of beautiful letdowns. Like, I think that would be our new name. If we were doing this whole thing again, I think that might be our name. Instead of Mid-City Vineyard, it might be First Church of Beautiful Letdowns. Because I think that describes exactly who we want to be, what we are becoming. Uh, And I mean it in the most beautiful, genuine way. Uh, And so let's look at that for a moment. When When you look at the world... And you watch the news, if you watched the news this week, you realize that we live in a society that is filled with rage and filled with anger, filled with murder, filled with senseless violence, filled with custody battles, filled with poverty, filled with people going hungry. I mean, you only have to watch the news for five minutes to realize that things have gone awry. And yet at the same time, there are things that happened this week in my own life that were so deeply life-giving. I mean, I had the opportunity to, to coach uh, middle school boys in baseball. My, my assistant coach job began this week with, with uh, uh, coaching at the middle school. And to be able to see the incredible joy on a kid's face when he's in the batting cages and I'm throwing batting practice and he hits the ball. Because last year, every time he swung the bat, he missed every single time. But he's put in some hard work. He's put in some practice. He's grown another year. And, and there's just this, there's this thing. And the only thing that exists in his whole life at that moment is, oh my God, I just hit the ball. You know, to to be able to sit with my family and enjoy dinner together and know that, you know what, the whole world is not falling apart because at this table tonight, the presence of God is here and there there is holiness and there is unity and there is beauty and there is goodness. To sit across the table from from you and drink a cup of coffee with you and for us to exchange stories of life and, and peace and grace. Or to walk through a difficulty together and realize that I have someone to walk through a difficulty with me in my life. I mean, so that says to me that the world is not totally going to hell in a handbasket. But that there is good and there is beauty and there is mercy and there is grace. But it also tells me that the world that we live in is filled with paradox. I mean, it is a paradoxical world, so to speak, because there is great violence. And then on the flip side of that same coin, there is great peace. There is great pain. And yet on the flip side of that coin, there is great joy. There is sickness. And yet on the flip side of that same coin, there is healing. And there is the Spirit of God meeting people right where they are and so we have this we have this story about us and 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 here's kind of how the whole thing works if we go back and we think about and this ultimately all this leads to why are we here why are we doing this tonight and what are we doing in mid-city because it all takes us back to the place of understanding that from the very beginning god created a a, a planet and i don't know how the whole creation thing happened Uh, you know i 
I don't know exactly how God did it. Did he go ba-bang and, and like bam all this stuff? And I, I don't know. I don't care what I know. And God creates it in such a way that his desire is that human beings would follow God's lead in the ways of peace and mercy and grace and kindness and goodness and generosity. God is a God of peace. God is a God of all those adjectives I just mentioned. God gives that to humanity. But human beings decide along the way to take their ball and to go home. You know, it's kind of like the playground. When, when, when all of a sudden I don't like how things are going or I think I could pr- produce or, or, or manufacture a better game on another field, I take my ball and I say, forget all you guys, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. That's what we do as kids. That's what we do when we're kind of finding our way through life. And that's what human beings did. We took our ball and we went home. But in God's great act of mercy, what does God do? God becomes a human being in the flesh. God comes to Christ as Jesus in the flesh. And Jesus lives his life for us. And Jesus lives not just for us. I think this is the most important part of the entire gospel message. Jesus doesn't just live his life for us. Jesus, God in the flesh, lives life with us. So we go through pain. Jesus goes through pain. We go through heartache. Jesus went through heartache. We go through loss. Jesus went through loss. Have you ever been stabbed in the back by someone that you thought was a dear friend? Yes? Jesus was stabbed in the back by those who he considered his dearest friends. And we might say, well, Jesus, he was God. He knew that was going to happen. He probably had set up some kind of uh, wall around his heart from Judas so that it didn't sting quite as bad. And I would call no on that. I would say that Jesus did not see that coming. I would suggest that Jesus was fully human who up until that point was investing his entire life into Judas. And when Judas betrayed him and stabbed him in the back, I believe that Jesus went, oh my gosh. Like, how? How? I gave my life for you. And I don't mean physically at that point. I just mean like, I've given everything. I've given everything to this relationship. Jesus has gone through it. God walks through life with us. God is one of us. And then Jesus dies. He comes back from the dead. And Jesus says something that is of the utmost importance. He says, now listen to me. I'm going to do something amazing here. I'm going to send my life force. I'm going to send my breath. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you. And when this Holy Spirit comes upon you and comes to rest on your mind and your soul and your heart, your spirit, when it envelops you and fills you, this is not just a way to make Uh, your spirituality more relevant. I'm not just trying to to give you a a special type of spirituality. What I'm trying to do is give you my presence in my life so that you can live it out, so that you can experience the life of heaven on earth, and so that you can share that with others. So that the way you've experienced peace in, in your life through me, and you've experienced goodness and grace and kindness and generosity, now I'm giving that to you. I'm giving you, like, you're hidden in me, in your life. You are to live out my life. And I'm giving that to you. And I want you to do it, not just as individuals who are silos, isolated off in these places, but the truly, the only way you can really be a Christian, so to speak, is to be filled with the life of God as a people and to live this out in community. To live this out in community. You know, and I, listen, this is, This is the kind of thing, I've heard this taught in ways before, where people are like, well, you 
you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And, and you know, in lots of ways, I would say, yes, I, 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 kind of, I kind of agree with that. But then you hear preachers talk about, no, that's not true at all. But a lot of times it feels like they're just trying to get you to, to show up at church. Here's where I would actually take that. Christians can't be silos unto themselves because what is the work of a Christian? The work of a Christian, the life of a Christian is to love selflessly, is to, is to model for the world the life of Christ. And a person cannot do that by themselves because Christ never modeled God by Christ's self. Christ surrounded Christ's self with people. And you know what? When there was conflict between Christ and people, you know what Christ did? Christ worked through the conflict. You see, that's what Jesus did. People who go off to be Christians by themselves, who do they have conflict with? Nobody, because they're off by themselves. And when they do that, they're more inclined to walk away from conflict when they do have it. When you surround yourself with a community of people, Eric hit the nail on the head. We have wrestled. I mean, we've, we've wrestled. There have been things that, that Eric and I and Sarita and I have gone through that could have and would have in most relationships, it would have just been like, well, um, I'm done with you. I'm done with this. Like, we can't do this anymore. But instead, there was actual wrestling that said, well, I think as followers of the resurrected Jesus, what we're supposed to do here is we're supposed to call BS on each other where we feel it, and we're supposed to lay our cards on the table, and we're supposed to figure out how in the middle of this and in the midst of this to actually love each other and continue to share life together. That's kind of what Jesus is saying. That's done in relationship. That's done in community. That's what the church is and does or supposed to be. The church is the people of God connected to one another through the power of the Holy Spirit. Living empowered by the Spirit to show the world what Christ and what the new creation looks like. What a world filled with kindness and conflict resolution and generosity and beauty and forgiveness and goodness, and patience, and faithfulness. What does it look like? The church ultimately is this. It's a society within the society. The church is a society within the society. In the New Testament, they called it the ecclesia. And the ecclesia, in, in the New Testament times, before the church existed, there was an ecclesia. And the ecclesia was a group of elders in the community that would get together and they would work for the good of the community. And then Jesus said, I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build my society within the society that's going to work for the good of the society. But the thing that's going to set this society apart from all the other societies is my presence. Christy and I are going to join very soon the Rotary Club here in Mid-City because the Rotary Club in Mid-City is always working for the good of the community. The Rotary Club in Mid-City does tree planting uh, throughout Mid-City you know, to, to help the environment. They do trash pickup. They, they, do, they, they work with the elderly. They work with the homeless. I mean, the, the Rotary Club does all of these things. And Christy and I have been talking, and, and I was like, you know, I... It's, it's the Rotary Club looks just like the church in so many ways, but there is still one thing that sets the church apart and makes it different than the Rotary Club. And it's the presence of the divine. 
It's the presence of the divine that we strive for, that we look for, that we practice, and that we move and we ebb and we flow in. And so everything we do is birthed by the presence of the Spirit living within us. And so we will join the Rotary Club, and we will be salt and light, and we'll make friends, and we're not going to try to convert anybody to to our way of Christianity, but we're just going to love on people because that's kind of what we like to do as a church. But then we're, we, we, we meet here together and we continue, we continue to be a society within the society. We are moving and ebbing and flowing in our community. I cannot tell you how many good things have come out of Mid-City Vineyard in the first three years. The, the impact that this community, I did not bring it tonight, but this community recently received a thank you letter from the owner of Nola Till You Die, who has become a very good friend of ours. But remember, we were going to move into Nola Till You Die last April. That we, we were going to rent her facility on Sunday mornings. It was going to be our Sunday morning venue. It burnt to the ground the week we were supposed to move in. But our church has rallied around the owner at Nola Till You Die so genuinely, so beautifully, so greatly. She sent our church a thank you letter the other day. Just uh, And it's, it's, it's really a rising from the ashes kind of thank you letter. But thank you for supporting. Thank you for being present. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for being with me through this. Not trying to get me to come to your church or doing any of that, but just thank you for your presence. That is, that is the Jesus stuff through and through. And we have friends all through this community that have been impacted by this community in a profound ways. And I, always, I often wonder, I'm like, wow, there's like 30 of us, maybe 40 of us on a, on a, on a good night. You know, and it's like, and look at what, the Spirit of God is doing in, in, in a community of people who are committing to loving one another and loving the greater community. Three years ago when I taught this, I said to, I said to that night, I said, well, let me tell you a little bit quickly about Mid-City Vineyard. And so this is what I want to say to you tonight as we conclude this three years in this space and we move. But here's what it is. Who are we? Number one, we're a people and a place. We have decided from the beginning, and we're going to continue this, we believe that slow and steady wins the race. Which means that we are not trying to run as fast as we can and get as big as we can and, 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 and do as many things as we can. We are literally going very slow on purpose. We don't have a lot of programs. We don't have a lot of stuff and we will not. We will continue to do the few things that we do and we will try to do them well. And we've come to realize that some of the things that we have done have not gone well at all. And we're just kind of going like, well, it's part of the growing pain. It's also part of being in the community. It's part of releasing people to use their gifts. And you know, here's the bottom line. I'll tell you right now. Like, if I am solely in charge of leading everything, or or Christy is Christy more than me, it's going to go off. It's going to be flawless. Like that is Christy's gift area. I mean, like if Christy led everything that took place in this community of faith, it would all look like blessing of the pets. But that's not the church. The church is, hey, listen, I have this idea. I think I want to do this. And so we come alongside and we say, well, let, let us help you to the best that you can to do it. And you're learning and you're growing and, and I'm learning and I'm growing and we're doing this together. And so some of the stuff, like some of the stuff we've done has just turned out to be total crap. And we learn from it. And we're going to do it again. 
and we're going to do better. But you know what? We have not left one thing. We have not left one thing that we've done in our community where people did not feel valued and loved. And in my book, if people feel valued and loved, then as followers of the resurrected Jesus, we have succeeded. Now, I might not have felt very happy about it personally, and this has happened Actually, I, I tooted my own horn a little too much there because I've actually let a couple of things here that turned to total crap. And I didn't feel very good about them after. But you know what? When the phone call comes and they say, hey, we want to thank your church for being a part of that and for doing that, it really meant a lot to us. And then I realized again, well, it wasn't about me at that point. It was about that. Does that make sense? Like this is, but we're, we're growing, and we're figuring this out, and we are committed to slow and steady. I am committed to slow and steady. We're committed to growing deep roots in this space and in this place. We're committed to this being the, the this mid-city being the soil, the context of where, where we do ministry and live our lives. We're committed to being rooted and gathered in this place and in this space. But in order to bear fruit, in order to extend hospitality, in order to, to see a flourishing community, we, we have to continue to, to, to grow together in love and mercy and peace and grace so that we can have that to share. The next thing that we are is I would say that we are a very incarnational church. And what that means is there are different types of churches. Um, you know, and, and, and if you go to other churches, you'll, you'll quickly start to realize, you know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with all the other types of churches. There are churches that are very service oriented. Uh, there, are ser- uh, there are churches that are very uh, prayer and worship oriented. There's, you know, and all of those are, every, they've kind of got their niche and they're finding their thing. We are a very, what we call an incarnational church. And our whole goal is, again, to be the community within the community. That's why we're going to do red beans and rice and we open it up to the church and we open it up to our neighbors. That's why we love moving to Sacred Heart because it creates a space, I mean, where we, where we have this opportunity to connect with people right where people already are. And it comes back to a very slow movement. That's why we value relationships. We value relationships with one another. We value relationships with other people. And you've heard me say it once. You've heard me say it a million times. When I make relationships with people, it's not, oh, wow, I'm going to be their friend because maybe I can now convert them to Christianity. Eh. I'm going to be their friend because I believe that they are valuable as a person. Because I believe that Jesus cares for them deeply. And in the midst of that, I believe that when their life is going through the ringer, that maybe the Spirit of God will choose to allow me to cooperate with what the Spirit's doing in their life. And maybe at that moment, there will be something that connects, helps them connect their faith to their everyday ordinary life in a very real and tangible way. Because a faith that doesn't connect to your ordinary life, in my opinion, it's a useless faith. I don't know personally why anyone would have faith if it doesn't connect to their everyday, ordinary life. Like, I want no part of it. So that's why I keep following Jesus, because I figured out how that connects to my everyday, ordinary life. So for us, moving forward, 
This is, this is, again, this is the invitation for us. This is what we're moving into. This is what we're ebbing and flowing with. But we gather together. And we gather together to worship. I encourage you, don't forsake the gathering together to worship. Like, be a part. Be present. Be connected to this. This is, this is important. But it's not just important for your, your own personal building up. It's important that we continue to, to, to share our faith and our, our, our love and our lives with one another. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Remember that? But it's not how we love them. Jesus was saying, they'll know you're Christians by how you love each other. They'll know you follow me by how you love each other. So how do we love each other? How do we work through conflict? How do we share meals together? How do we continue to press in to life together? We're going we're gonna to worship together. We're going to be a slow church. We're going to slowly add service event here or service event there or a prayer night here or a prayer night there but but our main focus is how do we live together in the community we're going to be committed to figuring out how to partner with the spirit and partner with our community and work for the good of our community that's what we're doing that's who we believe we've been called to be and to do and honestly and i, I feel that it, it, it is right in line i, I look at what's happening around and I think we're right where we're supposed to be. And if you would have asked me three years ago, where do you think you'll be in three years? I want to tell you, in all honesty, I would not have said here. I thought, hey, in three years, we won't be worshiping on Saturday nights. In three years, uh, there's no way we would have gone from uh, 60 people to around 35 or 40. I thought for sure we'd, you know, we'd probably have, oh, we'll probably be around 80 or so in three years. In three years, there's, there's, there's just so many things. And, and I'm realizing that maybe, maybe it's, it's not working that way because maybe that's not what God's doing. Because when I think, someone asked me, and this is the last story, and then we'll call it. But someone asked me the other day, they said, hey, I might have told you this story already, but they said, hey, how's, how's the church going? I said, well, and this was a this was a, a Christian pastory type of person, so I knew what they were asking. When pastors ask you, how's the church going? What they what they mean is, hey, how many people show up to worship with you guys? That's what they mean. And then the second question that they're saying without saying it is, how much money do you guys have? Real pastory questions. But those are part of the reason that I was like from the very beginning, Christine, I said, we're gonna plant a church. And those are not going to be our metrics because those metrics make me sick to my stomach, personally. So I asked this pastory fellow, I said, well, what metrics do you want me to use? So well, what are you talking about? I said, well, when we set out to plant the church, we had a list of metrics. This is how we will know if we are being successful. And I said, and then there are the metrics that pastors talk about all the time. And I said, in this, in this column, it's things like what you're asking me is how many people show up for worship? How, how's the money going? Uh, you know, how many people have come to know Christ? How many people have we baptized? How many outreaches has we effectively gotten someone to come to the church from the outreach? I said, but those, and I told him, I said, those metrics make me puke. I said, but over here, there's a whole set of metrics. Like, how are you doing connecting in the community? How many people do you sense have experienced the love of Christ through the body 
of Christ through the community of faith. How many people feel like they can be who they are, when they are, where they are, and they don't feel manipulated by us and they don't feel like they have to run away from us? How many lunches and coffees have we had with people where we get to express just how much we love them? How many people have we had into our home? How many people have the people in our church had into their home to share love and to share life? I said, those are the metrics we really like to use. Which metrics are you asking? And he said, well, I I guess we should just go with how you set out to plant the church. I said, we're doing amazing. Like, our church is freaking awesome. And then he's like, how many people show up on the weekend? I said, nine. (laughs) (laughs) And if you ask me, you know why I ultimately want more people to experience this? Because I think what we have right here is a beautiful thing. I think what we have right here is a beautiful thing. Because we're learning how to love each other. And we're learning how to love other people. And I don't care if you can um, exegete the book of First Peter or the book of Revelation to the nth degree and tell me exactly what you think the writer meant. If you don't know how to love other people and love one another, then your faith is useless in my book. I don't care how smart you know the Bible. Because I know a lot of people who know the Bible really well, but they don't know how to love what they're crap. And I'm tired of it, and I want us to be something different. And I honestly feel like we are. I feel like we're growing into it. On our, I'm redoing our website right now, and here's, here's the two things. If you want to learn how to... If you want to learn how to connect your faith to your everyday ordinary life, and you're interested in figuring it out with other people, this might be the place for you. We don't have a youth ministry, but we have amazing youth. And we're figuring out how to integrate our youth more into what we're trying to do. We don't have the best preacher, but he's going to help us figure out along the way how to love each other. We don't have a band, but we're working on it. But I want to figure out love. 